Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the first in our series, occasional series, of spoiler special podcasts dedicated to the latest Disney Plus Star Wars show. Very different proposition from anything we've seen before. It is, of course, Tony Gilroy's Andor. And yes, I said Tony Gilroy's Andor because his dabs are all over this. This is very much a Tony Gilroy joint. The first three episodes have dropped on Disney Plus and joining me to discuss it today in the studio are my three colleagues of such lethal cunning, all very, very cute robots, James Dyer. James and or Dyer. James and or Dyer. Yeah, and slash or Dyer. Helen, uh, <laughs> Helen and and O'Hara. Uh, Helen B2EM O'Hara. B2, B2, hello, Helen, how are you today? I'm very well. I like that robot. I like, so, I, 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 sorry. Of course he's good. What am I doing? My Star Wars credentials are going to be revoked immediately. That droid. I love that droid. Robot. Who says robot? There's only one Lobot. Obot. Yeah. There's <laughs> only one Obot in the Star Wars universe and it is Lobot. Uh, anyway, we're also joined by our very own baby, baby Grogu. <laughs> I'm getting everything wrong today. Wrong timeline. Wrong part of the Star Wars universe. But I'll take it. I've called droids robots and I've called Baby Yoda Baby Grogu. It is Ben Travis. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. Good, good, good. Uh, so this is an interesting show, isn't it? Yes. Boys and girls, <laughs> robots and, and aliens. Yeah. Where do we? So what we're going to do is because the the first three episodes of of uh, are up, obviously for your delectation and viewing pleasure. We're going to talk in general terms about the show and what we feel about it, and then we'll we'll do a quick breakdown of each episode and how we feel about each episode specifically. Because Disney released all three episodes, and when I saw the first episode, I realized very quickly why they had done that. Because I think otherwise the first episode might have felt a little bit anticlimactic. But where do you stand on the show in general? I don't want to start with James because he has a face. <laughs> ben, you did the interviews for this. You spoke to Tony Gilroy, who is the creator of the show. And he was the writer of all three of these opening episodes. I don't know how many of the remaining nine episodes he writes. But there you go. That tells you right away what a different proposition this is from Obi-Wan Kenobi and from the Book of Boba Fett and from The Mandalorian, uh, which obviously weren't 12 episodes. Uh, but you spoke to him and you spoke to Diego Luna as well, who plays Cassian Andor. And so, you know, I, I got the sense from those interviews that you were very much a fan of this show. Is that the case? Yeah, definitely. I really liked, uh, well, today we're going to be discussing the first three episodes, but for those interviews, and I think for general press purposes, they sent out the first four episodes. And uh, like you, I was watching the first one and going, oh, this is really interesting. This is not going to end with a big action set piece of, here's your big new Star Wars show. It is a very patient series. The The pacing is very patient, which I wasn't necessarily expecting going in. But it, that patience was already rewarded by the end of the third episode. So it, uh, it's interesting watching something that does feel like Star Wars, has all the Star Warsy stuff, as Chris has said, robots. Oh um, droids, Ben, droids. <laughs> and, uh, but at the same time, the texture of it is so different. It's, <laughs> for me, Star Wars without the pulp, hmm. which is an interesting proposition because Star Wars has always been pure pulp. But this is gritty and <laughs> real and there's it has a very different tone to it which 
I think feels fresh and we want freshness in Star Wars. Well, part of that, I think, Helen, comes mm. from the fact that the cast is almost entirely British. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of Scottish accents in this. There's a lot of accents, yeah. lot of a lot of London accents in this as well. Trevor from EastEnders is in it. Yep. And at one point I f- it felt like it was EastEnders, the Star Wars version. If each episode because each episode ends very interestingly, like each episode, as Ben says, doesn't build to a crescendo. Each episode just kind of ends. But I think if you put the EastEnders drums on the end of each episode, it would feel more dramatic. You know, if Cassian is walking away from something and you went, doom, 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 that would be more dramatic. They, but They kind of do that on the end of episode two. He's walking towards camera and they do have these drums that drop in. I hate them. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be oh, completely upfront. I love Nicholas Brutel generally. I hate them with a passion. It sounds like an Amdram live orchestra for a musical warming up. <laughs> wow. I hate those drums. I, I I cannot express how much I hate them. Um, Do you hear that noise? It. That's Amon somewhere in Watford. He has heard that Nicholas Brutel is being dissed, and he is crashing through walls to he get is, here. He is going to be here in, in literally seconds. But um. But, you know, I, 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 I'm really enjoying the show otherwise. I have some nits to pick, which we'll get into. I think um, I think it still does feel Star Wars-y uh, to a great degree, but it's very much um, someone creating Star Wars who has also watched Blade Runner, for example. <laughs> it's someone <laughs> creating yeah. Star Wars who's also interested in people having lo- real lives and real jobs and not just being rebels or, you know whatever, or heroes or whatever else. So I think that's kind of an interesting texture. A lot of my quibbles are to do with, you'll be unsurprised to know, space floozies. Uh, Once again, a problem here. And just general gendered characters in the background. And not so much with the main cast. The main cast is pretty mixed. But all of the floozies we saw were female-coded. And all of the like workers on the welding crew, whatever, were male-coded. And that just feels reductive and silly. Jimbo, where do you stand in the show? Uh, As someone who is a a big fan of the book of Boba Fett and and, and performed a a bit of an about turn on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, And you've said several times on the podcast that your love of Star Wars may be fading a little bit with each successive show. Fadering. Fadering. A little bit. It's the pissing in the pool thing. I think when the pool that you have swum in for so long is 80, 90% urine, it's no longer quite so much fun to swim in. Um, Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on. No, look, I, I, what I liked about this was all the things I think you guys said. It's different. It, and, you know, and also they were off that fucking LED volume, which I hate so much. And not only were they off it, they were off it and then some. We have really turned around. I mean, you have turned around in this LED volume. I, I, I remember the first season of Mandalorian. Yeah. It's like, it's incredible. Know, Look what they can do. And now you hate I loved it. it. I loved it because I thought the possibilities were endless. And but I they felt... are endless. Did you see the Batman? Well, quite. How much did you know how much the Batman is shot on the on the volume? I, I was really surprised. So, by that. G- genuinely so, so was I. When done well, it yeah. is astonishing. It's seamless. But then I found in Mando, I didn't find it intrusive and I didn't notice it. And hey, maybe that was my failing at the time. But I think, as I've said numerous times, like I felt like Obi-Wan was so badly Obi-Wan. shot. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Anytime Obi-Wan and Agan came onto <laughs> the screen, you know, it felt like the screen was behind them. They put a couple of potted plants to cover the join between the floor and the screen and we were all just supposed to buy it. And it's, you know, maybe it's a framing issue. I don't know what they did differently. Maybe it was the environment. I don't know. All I knew is I was painfully aware they were on that volume all the way through it. And I was like, this looks like a school play. What is going on? How can something so expensive look so cheap? Hells and bells. All the way through. You have uh, contacts in the effects community? I do. What, what's the explanation? 
of the volume. Yeah. Well, no. of, of specifically on Obi Wan, why why in Obi Wan did it look so volume? Call them now. Call them now. Call Phil Tippett right now. They pumped up the volume. <laughs> they pumped up the volume. <laughs> no, I like. I it didn't particularly bother me on Obi Wan. I do know what you're saying, but it didn't like hit me over the head with annoyingness. Yeah. But at the same time, like it's it's good to just get out into the countryside and and see some. Isn't Landscapes. It? And the, the and the location It's not just they weren't just like Gorgeous, let's get off yeah. the volume. They were like, let's get off the volume. Well, let's, let's go, go to, to Scotland. The most amazing <laughs> locations we can think of just to say fuck you to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it feels like this is a rebuke to that show. It's like, look at this, it's the sky, it's the sea, the trees, the hills. And there's a bit in this where they just hike over the mountains because they fucking can. And it's just I just thought that was wonderful. Can I just say that this has a little tiny moment? That addresses one of my pet hates. Is this base floozies? It's also no. It doesn't address that. <laughs> what does that it hate? Is, you know, it does address Ooh, every alien thing. planet is just one thing because when they leave um, the town where Aunt Cassian lives mm-hmm. and they go on the speeder bike to the ship. Mm. They go across some fields, they do. which are different in texture <laughs> to the rest of the ground. And different colour as well. Yeah. It's possible, people, it's possible. <laughs> wow, 40 shades the, of purple. The mind of Tony Gilroy for you. Yeah. <laughs> was what like, if a planet could... was two things? Yeah. <laughs> changing the texture of Star Wars before your very eyes. George the balance, Lucas. The balance of power in the Star Wars universe, is, universe, universe? <laughs> in the Star Wars universe has been changed forever. That noise um, you can hear is George Lucas <laughs> going, what the fuck? <laughs> and then, like a mon crashing through yeah. walls. <laughs> one thing, guys, one thing. Um, no, but just going back to what I was saying, so I appreciate that it's new. I like the fact that it feels more real. The problem is, I think there's a fine line between doing something that's kind of gritty and real and doing something that's a bit dull. Because Ooh. I find this quite, I think I, I found the aesthetic quite drab, but I didn't necessarily hate that because again it just feels a bit different I think everything needs to be glossy and chrome and you know what shiny and chrome shiny and chrome if they want to hang around machine shops do you know what go for it but it's just like Cassie and Andor titting about and the problem is I mean in fairness it's Cassie and Andor who has just committed a murder and is desperately trying to cover it up and find a way off planet that to me is not a bad start for a yeah. show like this I don't think he's titting about he's titting about a little bit it's like I need to get off the planet I need to do some low level criminality it's like okay fine but the thing is you know he is Cassie and Blandor like he's not an oh. interesting oh. hey 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 this is a prequel to a prequel where they've taken the second build cast member who was not in any way interesting and based a show oh. around him so they're off to to a difficult start and actually I think they're making a fist of it given what they had to work with and I'm more interested in Andor as a character now than I was in Rogue One partly because I think the the Gareth uh, Edwards sections of Andor and the Tony Gilroy sections of Andor in Rogue One are very different in terms of tone and texture and like so when he shoots the shit out of that guy at the beginning that's very much Tony Gilroy's Andor and when Cassidy Andor is just wandering around aimlessly that feels like Garrett's Andor <laughs> you know because I think he didn't feel like he had the same sort of sense of that character you know for better or worse but so so look I'm 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 I like the nuance I like the the, the sort of the, the reality of it I very much like the locations but having watched four episodes I a don't know what the show is about and be like if you were to say oh you can never watch another episode I'd be like meh 
All right. Wow. Well, yeah. Don't come back then. <laughs> we're, we're good. Uh, so that, that, that's, let's dig into that a second. So James is obviously quite, he's quite anti-Andor. Uh, but what about you guys? You know, and, Andor uh, indifferent. <laughs> you're and, and Andor-gnostic. Yeah. Either or Andor. Uh, so have you, where do you stand on Rogue One and him in Rogue One and him as a character? Have you gone back to revisit Rogue One? I haven't yet, but I probably will this weekend. I've mm-hmm. watched this twice. Uh, I watched it actually on... The- All three? I watched all four at first and then I watched three on the IMAX the other night, which Mm. was just because I thought that would be fun. And it was. Um, And I'm I'm really I'm feeling it. I feel like we've we've had this little got to get off world moment. And then I think we're going into no spoilers, but I think we have a bit of a mission moment coming up. And then I think it's going to widen out further past then. That's my sense of where we're going. But I don't really know, and I'm quite enjoying that because I think this is this has enough um, maybe running space between now and Rogue One to give us some new stuff. And we know that like Mon Mothma is going to be in this. We know that we're going to have some familiar characters. But I think it was quite bold and quite in- exciting and interesting to have those first three episodes with only one character that you know, mm-hmm. no Imperials, technically, just a company. Mm-hmm. No Imperial entanglement. Indeed. And and that was quite fun. I, I, I like that we're trying to, he's trying to do something new, he's trying to explore something new and, and give us a different feel to this universe because that's something we've complained about consistently. Mm-hmm. If this universe is a galaxy far, far away. Why do we keep coming back to the same three people? See, I always wonder whether it's like, because with Star Wars, like you've got the livery of Star Wars, you've got Jedi, you've got lightsabers, you've got the livery of the Empire, TIE Fighter, Star Destroyers. When you take all that out, is it still Star Wars? But it does feel to me like Star Wars. This this time, despite the very, very different weather, because it's shot in the UK, it does <laughs> feel like a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Like it does have a sense so class of feeling me. Star Warsy. I love um, how I love how clunky all the technology is. Uh, I love how low-fi and low-tech the whole thing is to the point where I think my favourite thing across all three episodes is the bloke who bangs the, the bell. Blo- oh, the the, the, the bloke bell man. the Anvil. If we were doing this on Squadcast, my name would be Anvil, the story of Anvil. Because I fucking love him. He is my favourite incidental Star Wars yeah. character since the Rancor Keeper. Yeah. I absolutely adore him. I love the fact that he takes a moment before he does it to really sort of bring the moment. It's like... <laughs> And then unleashes the banging of the bell end. And what's, what's, what's he timing it to? Does he like Jack Reacher? Does he have a clock on. in his head? The rhythm of his heart. Yeah. No, he's got headphones on. I think he's, you know, he's back on the speaking clock. I think he has ear protection. I think on. you'll find their Bluetooth headphones, Alan. I think I won't. <laughs> he looks kind of like you with your headphones on now. <laughs> no, Not he looks like Lobot. Yeah. The only Obot in the Star Wars universe. Who never speaks? Lobot. Non speaking role. Great. <laughs> <laughs> But Big Bangy Bell Guy is a cool thing because it's just a random bit of Star Wars planet culture Mm. that doesn't really add anything except vibes. He's there. He's he's not not playing bells. He's playing the vibes. He's bringing the vibes. They do think, I like the fact that and you're going to have to forgive me because I can't remember where episode three ends and episode four begins. If I start going off in the wrong episodes, just shut me I down. I haven't seen episode four. So, okay, fine. Uh, I've seen well, episode four and obviously there's, I haven't seen episode four of the show. There's other ringing of the bells, which I believe is in episode three, isn't there's it? There's a ringing of the bell in episode two and then they reprise it in episode mm. three. No, but as in it just it bangs. The alarm bells when they're banging oh, the, on the pipes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again, it was one of these things where they didn't make a big deal of it. It wasn't a huge thing, but it, it, it made the society the people it made it feel lived in it made it feel real it made it feel textured in a way that i think a lot of these star wars shows have not made it feel like belfast in the 70s yes yes indeed it had that real vibe didn't it i expect to see kenneth branagh running around as a wee lad 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I did. So you did. So you did. Uh, so he was. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the world building. But what about the character? What about the character of, of Cassian Andor himself, Ben? Where, where do you stand with him? He's okay in Rogue One. We had a screening of Rogue One, an Empire mm. VIP event. So we got to sit back on the big screen again on my birthday, which was a really nice yeah. treat. Getting to see any Star Wars on the big screen again feels like a real, like, we've been in the desert and you're getting the big, big glass of water seeing Star Wars in a cinema again. Was it triumphant, Ben? It was triumphant James Dyer Empire. <laughs> uh, as is, what is that on the DVD cover? It's on the American DVD yeah. and Blu-ray, yes. Um, I like Rogue One. I think Rogue One has got tons of good stuff in it and the final act is incredible. I don't, I'm not one of those people who uh, has started saying it's the best Star Wars movie ever because Madness. I think that's absolute insanity. Mm. Um, but of all the stuff that's really good in Rogue One, I do think even seeing it again, afresh and on the big screen, it is the characters where it struggles. I, I mean, I think Jyn Erso is actually the biggest issue with that film. Mm -hmm. But I think Cassian Andor doesn't add that much to it. But I can also see how they would, would look at him and go, oh, this is a guy who could be really interesting. If we gave him whatever that backstory is that he has been a part of the the rebellion or what has become the rebellion for a long time now how does this guy get there i can see that as maybe a more interesting story really than the one that's told around Jyn Erso in rogue one so i, I it was great seeing rogue one again and i think it's worth rewatching um if you're watching andor and, and enjoying the show because i think a lot as james said of that tony gilroy-ness in the characterization the stuff that makes these gives a little bit of edge to these characters because in this series and in rogue one we first meet cassian andor when he brutally kills yeah. somebody mm. um there is stuff that already feels like it's going to kind of thread through into rogue one but for me the stuff that really works about that film is the the scope of it the action and the the big picture stuff rather than the granular character bits it's interesting as well that you know we haven't actually seen cassian have much specific grievance against the empire so far because they talk about it being an abandoned empire mine that that planet where he grew up but that timeline suggests what they're talking about a Republic ship is in orbit. That was really confusing to see, me. See, the whole thing about that felt like a continuity error. Because when you see the kind of... Because he was like part of an indigenous population, wasn't he? Like like a pre-warp pre civilization to use the Star Trek Well, term. I wasn't sure if it was that or if the you know they were like kids who had been left behind when their adults had died or something. Perhaps. But I, the blow darts, it kind of felt a little bit like maybe they were primitive and the way they, they looked also at the had, ship. But they also had bits of bits and pieces of what looked like, you know, uniforms and stuff. Yeah, I guess from the old, wearing. maybe from the Imperial mining operation. Maybe, I mean, maybe. who knows? But 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 would it have been Imperial? It would only have been 15 years. These are all good questions. So, so my question was, the ship that comes in is yeah. referred to as a Republic ship. Correct. The guy they kill is referred to as a Republic officer. Mm -hmm. But he has separatist badges on his uniform, and they all do. All the people in that ship have separatist uniforms. So they're not Republic, they're separatists. So right, okay. I'm very confused by what they are. But I like that whole sense of this at the moment, that we are at a point where we know as the audience that this is the Empire, but to the rest of the galaxy, it's not like 
they haven't had their Mitchell and Webb are we the baddies moment yet. <laughs> the, the fact that the uh, it's like a random security firm who is the kind of villainous company mm. in, in this Big first corp. couple of episodes because it's been outsourced. It, there's no presence really of like big bad stormtroopers and Darth Vader swooshing around. All of that stuff is off to the side and what the galaxy is presented as going on is, hey, this is the, the separatist movement and but actually it's the Empire in disguise. Yeah, well, I don't think in disguise, but like this is a, you know, it's in the same way that big business now is tied to very toxic politicians. I feel like big business then is tied mm. to very toxic regime. And and I think that's interesting. But I, I genuinely, I think there is a little bit of like misconnective tissue and, and, and confusingness at the moment, at least four episodes in with those flashbacks, because yeah. I'm not clear exactly what's happened there and what his background is and maybe he's about to have a soliloquy next episode which will explain everything but it it's it's a little fuzzy to me i feel like he is the kind of person who would have a problem with the empire they talk about the arrogance they talk about mm. all of that but it's not clear yet mm. what his beef is so right now his his storyline is that he is looking for his sister mm-hmm. right so this is actually the storyline he so we you know, so when we meet him at the beginning of this Say, for example, you hadn't seen Rogue One at all. You've got no familiarity with this character. The through line of the show is it is a bloke who is looking for his sister from whom he was separated. And we see how that happens by the end of episode mm-hmm. three uh, of this show. Not episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, <laughs> so he's taken by Marva uh, and uh, she basically raises him as her kid then, I guess. That's what happens. So he's separated from says. his sister. Uh, and then from there, he's... Then just embroiled in something accidental. So he's a bit, he's a bit woo, he's a bit wee, he's a bit, <laughs> he's a little bit like a little bit dodge, but he's not full dodge. And so he's now and again mounting little thieving campaigns against the Empire. Yeah. So I think that but he's not. They clearly break down ships on that planet, and he's yeah. clearly scavenging mm. stuff personally to sell privately to make a bit of cash on the side, but also not doing it very well because he's getting into debt with literally everyone he seems yeah. to know. Yeah. Two things. One, I like that this whole show feels like an answer to a Kevin Smith question about the Empire subcontractors, about how they clearly can't be everywhere, so they do subcontract all this shit out yeah. to BMCs. But also with this, like, and it's funny that you mentioned about the the place being a sort of a hive of scum and villainy. Like, I, I weirdly, I didn't get that vibe from the place. It almost felt like this very, you know, this sort of like a very working class. Yeah, sorry, thing. I didn't mean. I know, and you were just, yeah, it was a reference. I, was, I, know, yeah. I know what you meant. But yeah. but it, it, you know, the design of the bars and the rooms sure, and the shape sure. of the buildings just. Felt and it has familiar. some shady parts to it. Yeah. But I like that. And it kind of felt like it was like this idea of inequality. And you feel like he's this downtrodden blue collar guy. And I don't know, that certainly the vibe I get from him at this stage is less that he has this ideological problem with the empire, more that is to haves and have nots. And he has not. And he's a bit like, fuck you, mm. which is why he takes stuff from the empire. Seeing other characters in a more central part of the galaxy as well feels fresh because so many Star yes. Wars stories are like, we're on the outer rim. Everyone is on the outer rim. No one's on the inner rim. <laughs> Where is the inner rim? <laughs> they're all like Horace happening. Okay. They're all in these like shady planets yeah. kind of on the outside of, of where the Empire is. Never- and so to have kind of other places that are a bit more in the mix of what's actually happening in the galaxy at that time feels well, do, quite Do they call it mid-rim? Is that, was that the line? N- never go in a rim to mid-rim. Kevin Smith says that too. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Smith talks way too much about rims. Yeah. Is this going to turn into the Clerks 3 spoiler special? It might do. It might do. Yeah. Hey, speaking of rimming, <laughs> this is a strange segue. Must we? No. Uh, 
This is a, deliberately a more grown-up Star Wars. It's 12 plus. And uh, this is the first Star War mm. in which someone says shit, which <gasps> I, 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 have, I have feelings about that. Feelings. I mean, they're and 35 I, years behind Star Trek. There, yeah. Although he did say it in French. But, the, you know, come on, guys. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, in Picard, I didn't like it when they say the when they drop the F-bomb either. I don't like it on this podcast, quite frankly. I don't like potty mouths. Fuck you. <laughs> and uh, you, know, you know people who have poop in their mouths so your mouth should be cleaned out with soap and water uh, those motherfuckers you know those ones and uh, the shit took me out of it and this is also the first Star Wars that uh, heavily implies um, banging not just banging a booty call there is yes. a Star Wars booty call like, there is, hey, there is. Like, uh, it was one step away from them sending a text saying you up? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in fairness... I, I may need to see that booty. <laughs> we did have an entire action sequence on a mob boss's, you know, sex barge. Like, it's not... But there was no implication of, of sexing. Yeah. I mean... There's a post-coital shot in this. There, so. there is, yeah. you know. The, the, yeah, yeah. Also it, a scene in a brothel, just, you know. I, 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 I passed out for several minutes, and when I came yeah. to, the episode was over. <laughs> Wow. So I haven't seen the end of episode three of this show. I've seen the end of episode three, Revenge of the Sith. But I haven't seen the end of this uh, show's episode three. So, so you missed the orgy. Was there an orgy? Yeah. yeah. What else was it? Gamorrean Guard orgy? And or Fox. Oh, my That's God. what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, make up your mind. Cassie what, and Andor Fox! <laughs> to be fair, it does seem like Cassie and Andor does fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Of the handful of people in the galaxy. Because there was a, a funny tweet going around the other day that was like, do we really believe that Anakin fucks? Anakin, Anakin and Padme, <laughs> I can't imagine that being a particularly, you know, exciting situation behind closed doors. Sand everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what happens on the boo stays on the boo. <laughs> There's a Nabuti call. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, but yeah, that's that's very interesting. Uh, you know, Bix and, uh, Bix and Tim... Getting it on. Bix and Tim, who also just sound like EastEnders characters. Bix and Tim. Bix and Tim. Doom, 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 doom. What did we make of that storyline and that character, Adria Arjona? And I'm maybe butchering the pronunciation of her surname and indeed her first name. And if so, I apologize to point me in the right direction on that one. What did we make of that storyline with him being the 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 boyfriend, the jealous boyfriend, the possessive boyfriend who's keeping tabs on her? Yeah, and then he, he was super toxic. Like mm. that. I mean, I know he had a lovely Scottish accent and and nice facial hair, but super super toxic, incredibly possessive, like Trevor suspicious. from EastEnders. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, suspicious. Um, you know, literally following her through the streets, yeah. not trusting her around other men, who in fairness, she clearly has, you know, had a thing with in the past. But that's not the point. The point is she's with you now by choice, dude. So either, you know, put up or shut up. I mean, yeah, he was terrible. Uh, but then it did kind of follow the convention of if you betray people, you will die for it. Like is that sort mm. of um production codes hangover that people who do bad things must be punished. Um perhaps a little disproportionately in this case. I would have maybe just left him behind on world but you know he was there, a so it goes. dick I did yeah. not mourn his passing he's a, I mean, he's a terrible you, person Tim. but you know yeah he was an interesting point as well because as you say there is an, a large element there of him just being uh, toxic masculinity made flesh but also that whole storyline I think did a good job of 
of obviously it's connected to Cassie and Andor's story, but having another story in these first few episodes that just gets that point across of trust nobody. Everybody in this world is paranoid. Everybody is scrabbling for just a bit of what they can get and will kind of screw you over to get that because everyone is so downtrodden. I like the fact that you see this world where people are struggling and where people are having to kind of scramble to get a little bit above the bare minimum. And so that's setting the stage really nicely for just this general feeling of like, there's no one big bad thing happening where everyone's like, oh no, fuck this, we're rising up. It's like a general Mm -hmm. level of life that everyone has got used to before they will at some point turn around and be like, no, this isn't okay. How would we relate to such a situation, though, Ben? (laughs) I truly don't know. It seems so alien to our own world. But it is very nice to be in a studio today and not be sitting at home in my house where I'm like, nope, can't put the heating on yet. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's even that that storyline about it, you know, with with Marva's heating. Like, tell her to put her heating on. Uh, She can afford to pay her heat. I think there's a line, literally, she can afford to pay for her heating. I was like, she doesn't live here. (laughs) In that case, my word. It's, it's, yeah, it is, it is... um, it, it, yeah, it is a little bit too prescient. Like they couldn't have seen all of this coming, so it's a little worrisome in that case. But uh, I, I think it, it, it that's what gives it to me the sense of grittiness. Because like a lot of this, we've seen some element of somewhere in Star Wars before. It's having all of this together that begins to make it feel a bit more kind of um, powerful and joined mm. up uh, in in relation to some of those themes that Ben's talking about. Just going back real quick to a, to a couple of things to, to pick up on there. Uh, I haven't seen episode four yet. Uh, in the interview that Ben did with Tony Gilroy, Tony Gilroy talks about how he saw this opening three episodes as a block. And he yeah. sees episodes, I think, four, five and six as a block. And then there's another block of two episodes and then, and then it brings it home. So like you're changing locale and you're kind of changing momentum and the story's shifting a little bit. So do you think we've seen the end of some of these characters? Well, obviously we've seen the end of Tim who, who you know, Tim, he gets killed. Tim um, got tammed. It is Tim, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Tim I think tammed. it's Tim with two M's. Two M's. So it's a little bit Star Wars. Star Wars-y, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the bad guy called Cyril Sneer or something? He's got the best name. <laughs> uh, Cyril Karn. <laughs> Such a great villain name. <laughs> Cyril Karn, played by... Karn! Played by Kyle Soller, who I He's think is so an American good. actor I, based in England. And obviously this is, yeah. this is like Man from Heaven for English uh, and British actors and Americans based in England. I will say, like, given that this show I found quite painfully humorless, the moment when he when he's like have you done something to your uniform and he's like some piping maybe some like, tailoring I thought that's <laughs> funny in fairness he did add pockets though which makes him more relatable yeah. Uh, but yeah I, I think I think he's a great great villain so far I think that that idea of him you know clearly being a little bit too keen a little bit too up himself um, but also trying to do what he sees as the right thing mm. that's it you know, he's not really a villain is he no. he's just a jobs worth <laughs> yeah he's an absolute dickhead jobs worth but not you know uh, not an not one who is baffling in his in his aims, not one who is just pure evil for the sake of it. Like he has a point of view. It's just like a stupid one. Mm. But do you think we'll see a lot of these characters again? Do you think we'll see him in episode four and beyond? Do you think we'll see Bix? Yeah, I think we're going to see him again, I think. Bix, I think we may have a break and then see her later. I get. I don't know. Look, this is not spoilers for episode four. This is just my feeling. Yeah, I guess so. And... Um, you know, because it's no spoiler to say he's off-world now, but I, that, I don't think that means he's off-world what? forever or that he will never see yeah. these people He does again. say to Brasso he's going to come back. And exa- and you don't hire Fiona Shaw just for three episodes. Come on, people. Come on. Yeah, I think flashbacks will be a fairly also regular thing in this as well. So I think she'll feature a lot in that. 
I think as well, what this feels like to me is uh, it feel maybe feels like a first base comparison to say it's it's also almost a bit Dune. It's got a bit of that like texture of Dune, but it, it this feels like if they did Dune as a TV series and the first three episodes were all on what is it Caladan, yes. the ocean planet, and it's like this is just sort of setting you up and we're bedding you in with some important characters, some characters who might return, planting a load of things, and then we're blasting off, and then where we go from there is like the real yeah. Story. That's just what it, it reminded mm, me of. And Cyril Sardal Khan. <laughs> oh boy. Is anyone going to turn up in a nappy? <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> me, me watching it at this point. Oh. <laughs> the way my mind's devolving. Um, uh, just a quick thing on, on the uh, Rogue One and how Rogue One will affect this movie. And, you know, in the same way, I've said this before, but in the same way that, you know, I think if you watch Breaking Bad, now that Better Call Saul has come to an end, that would actually make. Breaking Bad feel a little bit different. You, you know, now you're armed with knowledge of what Saul Goodman was up to and what Jimmy McGill was up to. I think that that changes his scenes in particular in Breaking Bad. It changes Mike's scenes and so on and so forth. And I think that this is, I, I, I'm going to hold off on Rogue One, revisiting Rogue One until I've seen all 12 episodes. There was a line that Tony Gilroy said in this interview with you, Ben, which made me very intrigued, where he says, he's talking about how this series is going to change Rogue One or how it's going to play into Rogue One or connect it to Rogue One. And he says something about, oh, you know, you get an idea of what these characters have gone through by the time they get to Rogue One. So, well, you know, this is the this is the awakening of Cassian Andor over these next 21 episodes because there's two more. There's one more season to come and there's 12 mm-hmm. episodes in each season, which is, again, very different from everything we've had so far. Episodes, yeah. 24 episodes in total. And he said something about, oh, by the time you get to Rogue One, you'd be like, oh, she's gone through that. Now, who do you think he was referring to? Now, do you think he's referring to Mon Mothma? Do you think he's referring to Jin Erso? Are we expecting a Felicity Jones cameo in this somehow? Obviously, they, they you know, they're Yeah, sure. It's, I mean, it's possible, but I think I think less likely to be Jin Erso, more likely to be... Bix? Um, possi- no, I was thinking more Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma? Yeah, I think, so. I think she's going to be... I mean, purely going on the poster, I think she's going to be a big part of it. <laughs> like, again, not getting into spoilers or anything else. Um, but I think she's going to be a big part of it. Uh, and I think also K2SO is presumably going to play a big part at this some season point. do you think i don't know i hope so kind of yeah if we do see Jin so because i don't think she can really cross paths with andor himself but we know that saw guerrera is going to be yeah. quite a big part of this show and obviously his history with Jin so is quite long but also i think maybe when she enters rogue one the kind of the main present day storyline of rogue one she hasn't seen Saw Gerrera for a long time. So even that, I'm not sure necessarily works. It'll be quite interesting to kind of, I don't know, just see have a scene or two with her where she's connected to a different arm of, of fighting back. Mm. But one thing I think that this show does have, which is very, very different from even Obi-Wan Kenobi, which went into some fairly dark places, uh, and obviously you know has a character that we know is going to die down the line, uh, is a mournfulness. There's a mournful quality to this show. You know, we are watching a dead man, essentially. We're watching someone... You know, God, I hope people have seen Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers for Rogue One, um, which, I, you know... I, I I need to go back and revisit the film and I will uh, but I do love the ending I think the ending is extraordinarily bold uh, what they do at the end uh, of that you know it's, it's a movie made a billion dollars and everybody dies it's so wild to me but you know going back and 
and and you're watching this guy who's who's going to die. I mean, literally one of the first things that's said to him in the space floozy bar mm. is potentially a throwaway line, but I don't think Tony Gilroy does throwaway lines. He's one of our great writers. You know, he and the 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 barkeep <laughs> gives him a drink and says, You pay at the end. And that felt yeah. to me like loaded with yeah. meaning and foreshadowing and he does. That's literally what he does. He pays at the end. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of that. I'm, I worry for basically every new character introduced because... This is the Better Call Saul phenomenon, isn't it? It kind of is, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, where are these guys come Rogue One and come the original trilogy? They're nowhere. Okay, so this is a bit of a worry. And I think you see that even in, you know, something like Stellan Skarsgård's turning up, striding around. What, 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 as dead meat. As dead, <laughs> dead meat Pete, Thompson. Pete dead meat Thompson. But <laughs> not necessarily, but, you know, he is... I, I mean, did anyone else notice that he holds his little stick thing like a lightsaber? Yes. You know, and it looks like one and as it's well. Ve- it's very much deliberate, yeah. I assume. But like, there's all of these kind of like echoes of the past and, and things <laughs> to make you worry about these people. And uh, and I am. We know Mon Mothma survives because of the Mon Mothma prophecy. Uh, Indrid called <laughs> called me up last night and told That's me what happened. Deep cut reference. Thank you. <laughs> Indrid Cold, by the way, sounds the best Star Wars character that never existed. <laughs> Better than Tim with two yeah, M's. Tim with two two, M's. He's got two M's. It's a totally different name. Bob with two B's will be in episode five. <laughs> Um, so we know Mon Mothma survives to Rogue One and beyond, obviously. And we know that Cassian survives this series. But you're right. It's a bit like, you know, I, I realize I'm talking to a room full of people who didn't watch Better Call Saul, but James, you, you came around. Ultimately, I have seen it all. It's like the Kim thing. It's like, yeah, where is Kim Wexler? Kim? Kim must, you know, people assuming that Kim, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to reveal what happens in Better Call Saul, but people assuming that Kim Wexler must die in Better Call Saul because she's not around in Breaking Bad. And then is Bix... The, the Kim? And look, uh, you maybe know. she just goes on a long holiday to a nice planet. We don't know. To a farm, to a farm. Yes, she's on a farm upstate, up a rim. <laughs> but to be fair, like, I beg your pardon. <laughs> steady. Oh, my word. <laughs> you, like the thing with, with, the, with Rogue One is it's just a job. So, like, Cassian's not going to take everyone he knows on the job. He's just on the job with his droid. Like, doesn't all, all his mates don't have to be there. So, I think oh, all God. these people could just be elsewhere. It's fine. <laughs> they, could be, they could all be fine. They could really it be. Could on be that karaoke farm. night. They could all be otherwise. Again. <laughs> they could be moisture evaporator farming yeah. somewhere. You know. Yeah. On. I'll yeah. say one thing. If anything happens to, and I can never remember the name of this bloody droid, so I'm looking B2 it up right EMO? now. Yes, which is emo very droid. confusing emo because droid. having grown up in the mid noughties we were taught that you could never be too emo. <laughs> that was my ethos as a teenager. It's like Toby Maguire in Spider-Man 3. But maybe, maybe there's a don't. Maybe his first name is don't. <laughs> don't be too emo. That's right, be too emo. Or That's, too emo. <laughs> That's amazing. I know, I hadn't drinked to that at all. Oh, yes. Be too emo. He's my favourite droid in Star Wars. I love uh, this. This is the last thing in this section because we're going to come back. Uh, I've got a break for something these guys are going to break for lunch we're going to come back and tackle some listener questions and quickly go through see episodes one two and three uh but i love that this is correct me if i'm wrong on this this is one of the first droids like droids that we see almost like you know not like a k2so and then 3PO obviously but like he speaks like a you know it's like oh, you mean uh, like a non-humanoid oh. yeah. shaped droid yes speaks. thank you uh, yeah. thank you for that and also the 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 giant alien who basically has oh, a big cockney so accent good. he's like oh it will oh, these so were two good. v's 
he's just a massive unit and he's in it for one scene and it's just like he's just there because it's Star Wars. They just said I should stand here. Like, he's, 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 that's quite funny as well, actually. There's two jokes in this entire show. <laughs> I know you try and forget this film exists, but Dio in The Rise of Skywalker, voiced by J.J. Abrams, the little a- anxious one that's wheeling around like, eh, that's that's a squeaky wheel. Oh, he does talk. Yeah, He He does does talk. talk. In a very similar way to B2 Emo, actually, because he's... (laughs) Uh, it's, uh, genuinely, is, uh, is it supposed it's to be EMO? This yeah. clearly is a gag. It clearly B2 is a gag. EMO is such a long phrase. B2 EMO. Well, because, but then they've always been quite playful. Like, even in Rogue One, why the planet's called Scarif, because when yes. Gareth Edwards went to Starbucks, they said, What's your name? He said, It's Gareth. And they wrote on the cup, Scarif. And that became the name <laughs> yep. of the final planet. And, and, it, and it strikes me, maybe that same thing happened with Andor, that they couldn't decide on the name. They just went Andor, yeah. this name. And that's, <laughs> that's how it ended up. Also, there was a great story that Diego Luna told at the Empire VIP event where he was saying um, that uh, in Mexico or in Spanish-speaking countries, Artudito is known as Arturito. He's, he's, his name is basically yeah. Arthur because... Little Arthur. Pre- little Arthur, that that's it, because... It is wild. The yeah. kind of sound-alike is Arturito. That's amazing. And he said he was like 20 years old. And when he saw it written down, he was like, oh, it's R2-D2, because he's just known by a completely that's different name amazing. around the world. Have you ever heard him talking about his love of Yabba? How he's obsessed oh. yes. with Jabba the Hutt? Because I had oh. two questions. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I was at Star Wars Celebration this year. You've, you're so quiet about it. I had two questions with Diego Luna, and I made sure one of my questions with Diego Luna was, has somebody let you touch Jabba the Hutt yet? Steady. Because his entire Rogue One <laughs> press tour, in every interview, when people were asking him questions about it or whatever, he kept bringing up that he's obsessed with, as he says, the texture of Yabba. That he's he's wants to know what Jabba feels like, that he just was obsessed with that idea as a child. It, it, there is There are like three-minute compilation clips of him talking about yeah. what, what Jabba feels say? like. He gave a hilariously weird answer where he was like, he said, no, he uh, it hasn't happened yet. And I said, oh, we all want that to happen for you. We're going to keep that dream alive. And he said, no, I've had therapy. It's too painful. I put it in a box. The last thing he said was, don't open the wound. Oh, no. <laughs> the texture of Jabba, by the way, would be a great name for either a band or some sort of prog rock album. Mm. Um, we, should, we should do that. If it were a band, it would be too emo. <laughs> it would be too emo. <laughs> All right, on that note, uh, we're going to take a little break. Uh, it'll be seamless for you guys, but for us, it will be one hour in real time. <laughs> Well, we are now back in a completely different studio, which is why we might sound slightly different. Uh, An hour and a half has elapsed since we recorded the first part of our Andor episodes one to three. Spoiler special. In that hour and a half, folks, has your opinion on the show changed? Have your feelings for it grown in any way? (laughs) Yes, it's now a masterpiece. Five stars. There we go. I knew it. (laughs) I knew giving James that that slice of chocolate cake at lunch would, would set him straight. Did you have lunch? You're lying because the chocolate cake is on the desk there. You have yet to give me my slice of chocolate cake. I want it. Give it to me. No. Uh, Anyway, before we had a break, we were telling amusing stories about the pronunciation of R2-D2, which reminds me of a story I think we've probably told the podcast before, but it tickles me immensely, uh, which is in the the days before Otter came along and Otter made uh, interview transcriptions so painless. It's an AI that basically just transcribes your interviews and it does it in minutes and it's just, it's it's a life changer. Uh, I always used to transcribe my own interviews uh, but certain people in the office didn't because they were slow it's and lazy me. and inept. Yeah. And uh, they would send it off not to an automated transcription service, but to a person, an actual person whose job 
And I imagine this has been impacted severely by Otter, uh, whose job it was to transcribe two transcriptions. And this person was sent an interview about Star Wars, and in that was contained the name R2-D2, but this person clearly had never heard of Star Wars because it came back as Arthur D2. So, there you go. Arthur D2. shall now always be known to me. Ouch. Ouch. Ouch, indeed. Arthur Mm. D2. And uh, we were also talking about the big fella, weren't we? The big fella from from Andor, and that is Fetch, the alien who speaks with a big Cockney accent. Stop trying to make Fetch happen. (laughs) And he is played by Ian White, who is seven foot one inches tall, or one inch tall, I guess. And he has played previously in the movies and in the TV. He has played the head predator in Predators? Alien vs. Predator. He has also been in Star Wars before as, uh, you guys might know these characters, Bolly, Prindle, and Rudown, uncredited from The Force Awakens. Oh, I know them really well, but I'll leave it to you guys to describe <laughs> they, who they are. They went to a different space school. You wouldn't know them. And he he was the last engineer in oh, Prometheus. Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there we go. Very exciting. So now he is... Fetch in Andor. Mm. Anyway, Funnily enough, we just had the last engineer down here fixing the mics, so that's that's good. We did, yeah. It took a long time to get this uh, this second half underway, but here we are. I love that this guy just specialises in playing huge units. What a great skill to have! Just be like, if you need a big guy who can play a big guy, yeah, this get, is your guy. Get get the guy. Get the guy. Get the guy, the big guy guy. By the way, Huge Unit is a tremendous character name. If anyone wants to, to have that, if anyone's writing the screenplay at home, then Huge Unit is the way to go. I should also mention, I interviewed Ian White live on stage at uh, Empire Live because he plays One Weg Wonder One in uh, Game of Thrones. One Run the Giant. He does. Yeah. He does. He's How was that? Tall. Well, it gave me neck ache a little bit. Was it face to nipple? But, uh, but a little bit, a little bit. Never go face to nipple. Because you're quite, you're quite tall, aren't you? Yeah, but not predator tall. Not one one the giant tall. Like I couldn't kick in a keep door. Like <laughs> I, I, I mean, I give it a go, but I don't think it would work. No, you hold yeah, the door, stub, James. Stub toe. Whatever. Yeah, right. Like it's, it's not going to work for me. But yeah, no. Ian White is indeed a massive unit. There you go. Fantastic. Was it? Was he seated? He was seated, though. Frankly, he was taller seated, I think, than I am standing. So oh, okay. Ben, Helen, who's the tallest person you've ever interviewed? What's the biggest dog you've ever seen? <laughs> Liam Neeson. Yeah, it's probably somebody like Liam Neeson, isn't it? I haven't interviewed Lee Pierce, who's very tall. Mm. I He's have interviewed Lee Pierce, but over Zoom, so I don't know if it yeah, counts. Yeah, it doesn't count. doesn't count. I mean, to experience the tallness. You know, yeah, you, you need, need to, to be, be in person. In big Liam I've done in person, though. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've met Big Liam. The tripod. He's no Ian White, though. Well, having said that, he may... I mean, in tripod stakes, I can't speak for Ian White. He's very tall, but I don't know. You would just assume, right? You would just assume someone who's seven foot one has a big unit, if you know what I mean. You would, make you, sense. You, you would. Please don't tell us what you mean. <laughs> I won't tell you what it means. You know, the schlong. Oh, yeah. A long schlong. One one. <laughs> Jesus. Road oh. one one, in fact. Anyway. Highbrow. 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 Should we have some questions? Yes. God, please. God, please. Please, please, God, help me. Uh, at Cantona's Ghost, how far into the birth of the rebellion do you think the show will go? And how far would you want it to go? Do you think it should stick to the militarization or include the politics of council? I think well, the, the rebellion in some form has 
got to already be there yeah. because of Star Wars Rebels, which we're all very familiar with. And we all know. <laughs> the blah, blah. The blah, blah. We know the blah, blah. We all know yeah. that that exists and is a, is a big thing. So I think that's always been something that exists. Mm. There's no question about it. It exists. And I think it's, yeah, exactly. So this is more just like it it taking the actual form that it does uh, in, in a new hope, it- I guess. And... and coming together maybe to an extent. Is this the spot that lights the candle, that lights the torch, that lights the fire, that burns the empire to the ground? Yeah, it's not It's not the greatest line in film history. <clears throat> Where are we in time-wise? Timeline-wise? We're five years before the Battle of Yavin. That's why it says BBY. BBY. Mm. Okay. And we know there's going to be a time jump in this series, series, don't we? They've talked about that already, haven't they? Well, this first season is all set across a year, so there's a five-year time span up to Rogue One. This season is all within that first year. And then season two is going to be three episodes in one year, then skip a year, skipping through those other four years, basically, across season two. So this is all within the first year in season one. So that's a pretty bold time span, isn't it? Dude, we're watching House of the Dragon right now. Yeah, I mean, they skip decades between episodes. They'll literally skip a decade between last week and this week. So. Yeah, really? It's yeah. mad. Okay. I mean, I mean, I know that, obviously. Obviously, you're very familiar, as, as we all are with, with um, <laughs> the blur blur. Rebels as well. The blur blur, yeah. That's the thing. How much is this going to intersect with the blur blur? Because one of the things I know about the blur blur is that there's like a bit of graffiti. That American w- graffiti? Uh, I No, actually Australian graffiti, because whoever it is that was cast recently to be in Ahsoka... As an animated, I'm doing a terrible job of this. Somebody was announced at Soul Celebration, uh, Natasha Lou Bordizzo. Who's she playing, Helen? Please look it up while I'm waffling. Who is one of the members of Rebels? Well, Ezra who, was cast. Ezra, Ezra, Ezra Bridger. Bridger, yeah. He's not been officially cast yet, although the rumor for that is Mina Masood. Are you sure he was announced? Aladdin. I thought it was announced. Wasn't he announced at Celebration? If only we had someone nope. at Celebration who could give us the, you know, news from the ground. Ben was in another room. <laughs> Maybe that person's trying to tell you what was happening right now. Um, so, Natasha Lou Bordizzo has been cast in uh, Ahsoka as the live action version of. Very much enjoying this Come live Come on, Helen. Thing. What's going on? It'll be in her upcoming stuff. It isn't. It isn't there. This is, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving this in. Yeah, you should leave this, this in. This is fantastic. This is pretty good stuff. Tortured, awkward searching is always is one of my favourite things on podcasts. At least some of us are trying to help. This is true. You're trying. You're doing nothing, James. I'm trying, if that helps. You are trying. <laughs> it doesn't help. Sabine Wren. That's it. She's Sabine Wren. I could have told is... you that. <laughs> no, you couldn't. Actually, I know Sabine Wren. Sabine Wren's a Mandalorian. She's a Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and she does lots of like graffiti paint stuff, and she has this like rising phoenix... Study. graffiti tag thing that becomes the rebel symbol <gasps> so is considering that how much the show begins the title sequence for the show is the moon becoming that's no moon that's no moon becoming the rebel symbol right so it's, it's all going to be tied in so it makes you wonder how much wonder. this is going to cross over into blur blur territory if only we knew somebody who was deeply entrenched in all of that blur blur yeah. well who could help us out well ben you've come to the right place i am six episodes into the clone wars i am i'm moving at a pace that could be best be described as glacial <laughs> but every time i go on a long flight i watch a few episodes of the clone wars so i'm expecting another long flight sometime in the next six to eight months so i will report back i'm quite enjoying it there was an episode recently where they were all, it was all about the clone troopers. And so it was all people doing bad Australian accents. It was the same actor, but. Get him, you know, dude. 
Yeah, get him dead. It was all. It was all a bit like that. That's true. Right? He is. Yeah, but I think they've. I think they haven't really. <laughs> they don't. Just they, ha- they haven't laser focused in on New Zealand. They've just gone and gone. Ah, he's Australian now. Okay, I just. I just feel like there's a, a huge number of Kiwis out there taking offense at this. Well, they should take offense at the terrible accent in uh, of the clone troopers in Clone Wars, and not me. I know that uh, Tamara Morrison is from New Zealand. I know that. The actor who is playing the character voiced by Tamura Morrison in the Clone Wars does not appear to know that. So that's that's what I'm saying. So anyway, anyway. I got you. I got you. I believe you. I got you, mate. Get him dead. Right. Should we move on? Biter. <laughs> it's a tip nipper. It is a bloody well tip nipper. Right. Uh, what was the question? Oh, yes. So. Have you answered it? Something about Probably. politics? But it feels like that is what they're going to do. As Helen said, obviously these first three episodes, there's no Empire stuff yet, but we know that Mon Mothma is a big part of this show and that she is entrenched in the the Senate. What was once the kind of Republic Senate is now effectively, she's inside the Empire. So we're going to see her kind of navigating, having to work from inside the Empire and becoming a key figurehead in the Rebellion so working in the political side of things as well as more rebellious characters like Andor on the fringes of things. Here's another question from John Crawford uh, at John C 666 Do you think the pacing of the episodes is a bit strange so far? It seems to me they made a 12-hour film and placed random cuts during that film at certain points to make it into a series. I, I know what he's saying. I always, I always bristle when people say a TV show is like a 12, 13, 14 hour film. No, it's a TV show. But I get what he's saying. Like it does, it's not structured in standalone segments. It feels like a single narrative that's just been arbitrarily cut up into bits. Um, it is what we on the Pilot TV podcast describe as deliberately paced, which is a fraction above ponderously paced. Um, so it's, I, I think it, it's, it, I, I think they, they're walking a very fine line between deliberate and ponderous, but it's just on the right side of it. I have to say, each episode has taken me by surprise because it just ends. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's building to anything mm. or leaving you with, you know, and it's, it's fine because it all works as, you know, if you watch it back to back, it's, it's, it's fine, especially if you skip the did, recap. Right? But then maybe the, these first three were planned with that in mind. Maybe they were sure. edited with that in sure. mind that the three would drop at drop. once yeah. and, and you had that choice. Mm. Then I have a, a, a sort of follow on question from that, which is why not then just release them as one great big supersized 90 minute episode? That's a solid question. Given that Stranger Things is now doing two and a half hour episodes mm. and, and whatnot. I don't know. I think if anything, Releasing it in chunks makes it feel pacier. I think if this was released as one big, I don't know, 90, 100 minute block, you'd be like, ooh, I need to put aside kind of the best part of two hours to sit down and watch the new mm-hmm. Star Wars show rather than, oh, I've got 40 minutes, I'll stick the first one on. And then you go, ooh, that was pretty good. Yeah, I'll watch the next one is out now. I think there's something about the psychology yeah. of that versus yeah. like I was worried going into Stranger Things. It was really engrossing in the end. I loved it, but there was something intimidating about the fact of like, oh god, all these episodes are really long, and do I have to carve out yeah. time to to kind of sit and watch that properly? But I, I don't know about you. I found this less of the it's a twelve hour movie than it kind of moves to me like a prestige. TV show like a, an HBO series where you go hey in an HBO show like early Game of Thrones it moves at a pretty slow pace it's just setting a bunch of stuff up and maybe three or four episodes in then you'll get something big happening I don't think it's structured so I think all of those shows have a kind of a you know and I know what you're saying 
but I think all of the shows you've listed do have an ebb and flow where they fit into their runtime and they have a kind of a three-act structure within a three-act structure. Like They work as self-contained things even though they're part of a larger narrative and small things wrap up or lead on. But adds, whereas this, it does feel like they've just, you know, they've just gone through the edit and goes, uh, split it, split the file here, here and here. You know, it does feel a little bit jarring. Having said that, I, I, like Ben, loved the fact that I was looking, going, ooh, 37 minutes. Yeah, that is true. I had that Which, too. Which, you know, is, there's a lot of TV right now. So oh. that was that was a, a gift. Right? Do you think it's also partly age-related in that, you know, to a certain extent for Stranger Things, which I guess a lot of young people who really shouldn't be are watching it, you know, because this is broad. And let's, let's be honest, this is certainly aimed at an older audience than most of the Star Wars stuff on Disney+. Plus. But I wonder whether, you know, certainly for younger viewers, like having a great big whacking great Runtime one might be more off-putting. I mean, maybe. I, I I don't even... I mean, like, there is something to it. It doesn't have a, a conventional big ending, but there's been quite a lot of stuff in these first three episodes. There's been a murder. There's been a cover-up. There's, there's been, been a murder. <laughs> there's been, you know, uh, secret clandestine meetings. Bellman. And, and Bellman <laughs> and, you know, a car chase and a foot chase and everything through a city. Like, there's stuff happening. Yeah. So it's just maybe not all like crammed in the last ten minutes mm. because it, it's gone out of its way to feel so un Star Wars. Uh, I think it's really interesting, and if you look back at the you know pretty much every episode of the Mandalorian and every episode of the Book of Boba Fett and, and Obi Wan Kenobi, all felt like mini Star Wars movies, and they all end on you know in that transition to the Star Wars credit style, which is completely absent here. Things that got really interesting to me. It just it's trying to sort of divorce itself from Star Wars whilst being Star Wars and being a little bit grittier, a little bit more adult, and moving away from the visual template that Lucas established as well, which is which is interesting for me. You know, I I think that each episode has ended in a way that's taken me by surprise. Like, oh, oh, oh the episode's over now. Uh, okay, that's that's interesting. But you know, for me also, the quality is 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 there, absolutely there. And I was into every episode. I think that's why the the ending felt like a surprise because I was really mm. in it at that point, which is out. which is a, a good thing. Here's the next question <laughs> from Mr. Franco, uh, Francis McCormick, not James, uh, or indeed, da- um, what's the other one, Dave? <laughs> what's the other one? <laughs> what's the other one, Dave? <laughs> Dave with two V's. I mean, there's, there's a few Francos. There's a few. There Francos. was a Spanish one who was. There was. Well, yeah. he was great. General. Uh, no, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Franco Manca, though, big fan of him. Franco yeah, Manca, yeah. If we're doing a Franco ranking, <laughs> the ranking. <laughs> a Franco ranker. General James Dave. <laughs> where's, where's, Dave where above you, James. Thank you. Dave above James. Where are you putting them? Oh my God. Anyway, Mr. Franco. <laughs> Frank Orr. <laughs> Does the pod think Andor would be better suited to being hour-long episodes? I am okay with not everything I watch being an hour-long episode. I am yeah. very, very happy with 35, 40-minute episodes. Mm-hmm. I am watching so many hour-long shows. So many. Plus, so many. even aside from all the geeky stuff, Bake Off is back on, Strictly's about it. to start, Don't Drag care. Queen UK is starting. What? What? How am I... Because Drag's race. That right? means that MasterChef... MasterChef must be coming back soon. MasterChef. I, I, oh how God. am I the supposed to keep on top of all we this? We don't cover this. It feels like, like Apprentice season. It does feel like we're we're into Apprentice o'clock oh at the God, moment. No. Oh my word! Amazing you, you stuff. Your reality TV. I know. It's. it's I, I literally there are three reality shows I've ever watched. 
but they're all on in autumn. It's very inconvenient. For it's me. it's reality TV season. It's it's prime prime reality TV season. It's it, like, I'm like a pig and shit around this time of year. It's 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 I quite amazing. Cool. But then on top That's of that, you don't know the good ones though. He, he, he even if he sold the good ones, they're he wouldn't all, recognize they're them. All full of twats. They're not they're actually. That's the whole appeal of both Bake Off and Strictly is that they are twat-free zones. And MasterChef, and these are shows that actually uh, celebrate skill and celebrate exactly. learning and celebrate exactly. craft and That's talent why he doesn't and genius. Like them not watching he doesn't an hour like of someone of preparing things. a ganache and then slapping it on okay, something. Like, a ganache like... clearly doesn't take an hour to prepare, James. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. Maybe, okay, I guess, if you're sort of trying to let it coalesce a little bit. But also, on. you don't slap on a ganache. You lovingly drizzle <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. Well, yeah, it you drizzle a ganache. again of the ganache. You know, it depends how long you've left it. Up the rim? <laughs> anyway. Mid-rim. <laughs> Mid-rim. <laughs> Another thing, another kind of byproduct of this 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 onslaught of peak TV as well as we have is that we have podcasts about them as well. So you oh, have yeah, to the, factor in the podcast, listening to the podcast as yeah. well as watching all the TV. And so that's a good thing why you keep podcasts short, brief, <laughs> to the point, and you don't over it. Okay? Yeah. yeah. I could name you a uh, podcast about peak TV, Chris, if you're interested in a recommendation. I, please. I yes, beg. the I, Sandman spoiler <laughs> special, which we recently recorded. Is yes, and we'll definitely be up at some point. Shut up. Uh, anyway, uh, here's a question from Alex, Alex Brewer. He says, the police. Please talk about the police. Can whoever wrote this show, that's Tony Gilroy, mm. adapt the uh, creator, writer and director of Michael Clayton, one of the great American movies, uh, adapt one of the Discworld civic stories because they nailed it. The way the part of the story played out with the various personalities, yeah, my favourite scene was the uh, the uh, the the old cop mm-hmm. dressing down the younger cop and basically going, "Just just fudge it. I know it's murder, but please, just fudge it. Make it look like an accident. I don't care how." Yeah, uh, I love that scene so much. Anyway, back to the question. The way that part of the story played out with the various personalities felt like something I'd seen and read a million times, but also perfect in its inevitability. I'm weirdly infested in how totally fucked that young asshole lieutenant is and the power the police have and don't have in this story. It's this unstoppable all cops are bastards train wreck on rails and I'm here for it. Also, Cassian has a stuffed toy bantha. Yes, he does. I love the stuff toy band that almost as much as Anvil Guy. Okay, this so we need a, our own plush of the Bantha plush. We need a plush of Big Unit and we need a plush of Bell Guy with a little like Anvil drum thing that he can play. And a Lego B2 emo. Yes. Also, oh, I want a Lego version of Big Unit Guy as well because he'll be like a minifigure who's like twice as big as all the other minifigures. You know, sometimes they do that. They like break the minifigure mold. Mm-hmm. Like the, the mm-hmm. Thanos one is like a big chunky guy. Yes. Yeah. Is one of them. Yeah. Huge unit. New Lego minifig. That'd be <laughs> that'd be tremendous. But yes, old co- old cop is played by Rupert Vansittart, mm-hmm. who is one of those guys who's in everything. everything. Weirdly, what I remembered him from was being the drunk at the wedding. Four weddings. Four weddings. Mm-hmm. Four but, weddings and or funeral. And or funeral. Oh no. Um. But yeah, Game of Thrones. He was Royce. I think. Yeah. So Waymar Royce. Yeah, and in Braveheart and Remains of the Day. What a, what a career. Anyway, uh, I mean, technically, is this about the power of the... This is even worse than just the power of the police, who in theory rely on the consent of the governed. This is about the power of private police, mm. which is even worse. Corporate security. Corporate security. Just, oh, just saying the words just makes me feel like I need a shower. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, they're, they're, they, they seem like, you know, pe- people with a bad agenda um, who are, you know, not doing it well. So. Whoop, whoop. The police. <laughs> Guns don't kill people. Jawas do. <laughs> Jawas I'm do a fucking kill Jawa, people. and I'm going to kill you. Okay. 
Uh, yes. Uh, do you think there'll be uh, more? Do you think that, that that's an aspect of it that will go through all the 12 episodes? I think there'll be in it more. I don't think they're going to necessarily dominate all 12 episodes. How about mm. you guys? I think we might see just other factions. As we were saying, the interesting thing of effectively the Empire outsourcing its security and um, its kind of militaristic side that I feel like on different planets we're going to see different factions who have been swept into this overall agenda especially if we're kind of following Cassian on wherever he's going next I imagine there's going to be all sorts of outposts but maybe like different groups of guys but they have really clearly set up this this one guy as his nemesis now who has like a personal vendetta against uh, Cassian Ander who always just seems to slip out of his grasp at the last mm. second and that's Kyle Soller, that actor. As I said earlier on, who's uh, clearly based over here. Uh, someone just said that he looks like a young Kyle MacLachlan. I thought he looked like uh, who was Star Killer guy from The Force Unleashed, who voices um, Darth Maul in the Burbler. Sam Witwer. Yeah, he looks a lot like Sam Witwer. When I saw him in the trailer, like Sam Witwer as you do. There was a shot of him in the trailer, and I was like, "Wait, Sam Witwer." <laughs> <laughs> That guy. He had a bit of the Jonathan Groffs for me. Yes, well. yeah, I can see that. He also has a bit of the um, oh, what's his chops from ET? Give me his name. What's the name? Uh, ET. Yeah, not actual ET. The kid. <laughs> Drew Barrymore. Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas. He has a, he's a touch of the Henry Thomas about him. <laughs> Peter Coyote. I'm going to leave yes. everyone except the person he wants. <laughs> By the way, the way Sam Witwer screams Kenobi <laughs> means that he should be the front man of B2 Emo. Yeah, he should. <laughs> he should. <laughs> oh my word. B2 Emo and their, their new album, The Texture of Jabba. Uh, what, a, what a thing. All right. Uh, have we answered that question? Probably not. Yeah, I think there'll be a further answer to it next week. No spoilers. <laughs> Except we'll be back in three weeks' time. I know. Yeah. All right. I'm not saying so. we'll give the answer to it next week. I'm, I'm saying there I'm will excited. be an answer. I'm excited about next week. I'm excited about um, uh, all Lobot all the time. Uh, two more questions and then we are done. Uh, at... Alistair Campbell, not that one. Hmm. Uh, another Alistair Campbell, Alas TC. Uh, Alas TC. That's what you say when Tom Cruise breaks his leg or uh, when Top Cat uh, drowns. Mm. Oh, what? No. I'm enjoying the various UK accents from the actors, but is it falling into the British equals bad guys trope? I mean, I'm okay with that, obviously. I think that's fine. It's fine. I think we've is. earned it. Yeah. <laughs> Have we not? <laughs> well, Brasso, Brasso has a British accent that doesn't seem to be a bad one. Mm. Vetch. Uh, Fetch, well, uh, yeah, he's just there. He's a leg breaker. He's a nice guy. He's a lovely no, guy. No, he was asked to stand there. He wasn't asked to break anybody's leg. But he, he could break there. legs. He has yeah, the potential but, like, to be a leg breaker. All of us and swans have the potential to break legs. <laughs> you know, it doesn't like make you a bad person. I don't think I could break a leg. Well, let's hope you don't find out. Yeah. Just... Let's hope I don't go on stage. <laughs> um, what do you think, Ben? I mean, for one thing, that's a massive Star Wars trope anyway. They've always leaned into that. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for them to do it here because that is another element of Star Wars. But at the same time, like you guys said, kind of everyone's British or Scottish or from around here somewhere in this show. We need a Scouser in this show. That's what we need. That would be incredible. More Scousers in Star Wars. It sounds like a language from Star Wars anyway. I say that as somebody who is... Spent the last decade with a Scouser. You're about to marry into a Scouse family. I am. So maybe I'll try and recruit somebody uh, and pitch them to Lucasfilm and say, cast this person in a Star War. Yeah, absolutely. They could be called Yawa. Yawa? <laughs> what? Yawa? 
<laughs> that is a sound that I hear about twenty times a day. So, all right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Okay, I'll do my joke. Uh, oh, do you know what a Scouser's favorite Netflix show is? The OA. What's a Scouser's favorite Steven Spielberg film? AI. There you go. It's a great film. Last question from Jordan King. Jordan MB King. A lot of praise has been heaped on Andor for straying away from trying to be family friendly Star family friendly family friendly Star Wars. I'm going to just leave it in. But do you think it is actually an adult show, or do you think it has a place in the family Wednesday evening planner? Is there even such a thing as adult Star Wars when the franchise was always intended for children? I mean, it gets adult when there's hardcore fucking, which there isn't in this. So is that I think, the only way to be adult? <laughs> I think so. Uh, <laughs> but like, I think it's it's certainly older, but not just in the tone and the violence and the fact that there's sex in this one. I think partly just the, the pacing and the rhythm of it, in that it's quite deliberately paced, and I think kids would just be bored off their tits by the yes. end of the first episode. As opposed um, to the foundation, which was deliberately paced. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Uh, but, but like, you know, I, I like the fact that this strays away from the kind of binary morality that Star Wars has kind of always adhered to. And I like the fact that there aren't really villains, there aren't really heroes, it's just lots of people getting by and it's all shades of grey. And that's nice, and that is quite, you know, quite a sort of more mature way. Of How many shades of grey? Uh, 50, I, feel yeah. I counted yeah. in the first episode. Back to the hardcore fucking... Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't... Yeah, I, I'm kind of with that. I don't think it needs, you know disturbing or graphic violence. I don't think it needs hardcore fucking. I do think the way well, that it's right, adult... You get to see his lightsaber. No. The way that it's adult is just in the fact that it's it's got a little bit more edge to it than we sometimes see from, from some Star Wars stuff. But then Galaxy's so did, edge. to an extent, Rogue One. And mm -hmm. Rogue One also had that ending, mm -hmm. which is unusual and weird for Star Wars uh, as a whole. So... I think that's kind of in keeping with its source, if you like, its source material, but kind of take us in a new direction. And again, this is what we've been asking for, is yep. to just push things a little bit, take some risks, do something different, bring a freshness to it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased so far. And also the prequels as well is space politics and blockades and the trade federation and the taxation of trade routes. Mm -hmm. You know, like those films are a kind of weird clunky mix of um quite complex space politics and yippying um all and in jar one jar stepping in doo-doo yeah and Bantha -doo. maybe to us we're watching this show and we're seeing the kind of the more complex and morally gray character stuff but for younger audiences they're watching it and still getting something out of when this does kick into action and where it's clearly going from here looks to be a bit more kind of um rumpy not rumpy pumpy. rumpy pompy um mm. but yeah i i don't know maybe we're coming to it as adult fans of star wars and seeing it as a more adult show mm. and a younger viewer might watch it because it's the new star wars thing and it still has enough of the star warsy stuff that makes it accessible to younger viewers all right well done cassian you've earned your Hardcore fucking badge. No. No? <laughs> no, hey, Dougie. Although Dougie is a great name for a Star Wars character, and he's kind of almost the right shape as well. He kind of looks Dougie like Dougie with that. two Gs. Oh, yeah. woof. Yeah. What a note. What a way to end this podcast. <laughs> uh, quick predictions for what's going to happen next? What, are we, what do you think I'm we're going to see? I've seen the next episode. <laughs> I, I, I kind of gave mine already. I think there's going to be a mission for a few episodes, and then we'll move on to bigger things. All right. 
Excellent. Not not in, not in the sort of Ennio Morricone, yeah. you know, sending mm-hmm. Jesuits up the Amazon mm-hmm. kind of sense, but in a never take someone up the Amazon. Midrim. I think we should end this. <laughs> Too late. You've earned your sign and disgust badge. <laughs> long since, Chris. So long ago. It's your 700th. Uh, all right. That is it for this Andor episodes one to three uh, spoiler special. Uh, our next Andor spoiler special will be after episode six. Uh, I haven't seen episode six yet. So we're doing. Are we doing two mid-seasons on this? We're one? doing two mid-seasons because there are 12 episodes. episodes. Okay. Yeah, so we'll do one after six, one after nine, and then one after... Um, 12. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I haven't seen episode six yet, but I have seen episode six, Return of the Jedi. Forgot what it was called for a second. <laughs> are, are you done with that, Jeff? I'm done. Gonna, no, I'm not. No, 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 no. It's, okay. I, well, this is the thing about doing these things three, three weeks apart. Mm. I won't be able to remember the runners. I look forward to episode, you know, 12 when it becomes impossible. Damn you. Or at least more difficult. Damn you, Tony Gilroy. Damn you. But at the same time, I can't damn you because you created Michael Clayton. So go watch Michael Clayton, folks, after this, uh, while you're waiting for episode four of Andor. Anyway, it is time to say goodbye to my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Uh, (laughs) Two people, one mic. Ben Travis. By the time we do this next spoiler special, I'm going to have a whole playlist or even my own album of B2 Emo. We'll all learn it. We'll do a live performance. With Bellman. Kenobi! (laughs) (laughs) Helen O'Hara. Anvil, the story of Anvil. Yeah, we could get Anvil to record it. We could. They could be 2 Emo. They could be B2 Emo. They could be. Anyway, totally. Uh, do you think they're too emo to be too be to be emo? No, <laughs> I can't I mean, even they're, emo. Metal. they're definitely metal. They're they're metal. They're not emo. So no. they'd be to be too metal. Yeah, yeah. B two MTL. B two metal. That's the evil version. You know how like BB eight has his evil clone. Yes. B2, Bad boy eight. B two metal will be. Bad boy eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it's goodbye from James Dyer as well. Oh, goodbye. It's goodbye. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm off to bang the hell out of a big old bell. I want to audition to become part of B two emo. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Oh woof. <laughs> <laughs>